The following presentation of the Jaguars Podcast Network is presented by ViStar Credit Union. Jimmy Smith isn't a complicated man. His life in professional football, however, was anything but simple. Smith's name hangs high above the field in Jacksonville, where he found glory as one of the game's best receivers. How he arrived in 1995, though, offered no clue of what was in store for the young player or the expansion franchise. This is Perspectives, the story of the Jacksonville Jaguars' first 25 seasons, told by the people who built the franchise from the ground up. This is Jimmy Smith. He is the best receiver in Jaguars history. Allen Robinson has more touchdowns in a single season, and who knows, DJ Chark may own that record before 2019 is over. But neither of them are in Smith's class. He's got Jimmy, first down 20, there he goes, 10, 5, touchdown, win, Jacksonville! Smith was big, strong, fast, and just another guy hoping to find another shot at playing in the NFL when he arrived in 1995. The man who would finish his career with 862 catches, more than 12,000 yards, and 67 touchdowns, plus Pro Bowls and All-Pro honors, made a very quiet entrance to Jacksonville. Well, not knowing what to expect, what, what to expect was uh, is exactly what was going on with me. You know, when Jacksonville and Carolina were awarded their teams, you know, I didn't think that they were a real team, that these were real teams. So I wanted to go or stay with an established team like the Cowboys and Philadelphia and, and uh, you know, teams who, who've had history. I didn't want to come into a situation where there was a, uh, I guess I should say, a revolving door where they're going to be bringing players in and shipping them right back out. And uh, that's what I thought the expansion, the two expansion teams were. Uh, and I had a conversation with my father. He's like, you know, right now, son, you don't have a job. So you, you got to go down there and give it your best shot. So I uh, I decided to come down to Jacksonville for, for a workout. And I think it was about 14 receivers. Uh, none of them knew, knew who, you know, no one knew who I was. I had never been in, on, this side of, on this side of the country before. And I put on a good workout. And uh, – you know, I had one thing, well, a couple of things uh, going in, uh, for me. Uh, Larry Pasquale was a special teams coach uh, for the Jaguars that first year, and he just so happens to be the special teams coach for the Philadelphia Eagles the year I was there. And I had an awesome preseason with the Philadelphia Eagles the previous year under Larry Pasquale. Played on all all four special teams, uh, ran back kickoffs, and you know I still I was still released from the team. And then there was a guy named uh, I don't want to mess up his name, Ron Hill. I think he was a scout. He had scouted me when I during my days at Jackson State, and uh, I was considered a first rounder. But I, I I didn't play you know my first couple of years when I was drafted by the Cowboys in the second round, so. Uh, I had those two guys, you know, in my corner, you know, that, that knew me and, uh, you know, knew of my abilities and, and knew that, uh, that I was a, a high-round draft choice and I just hadn't had a chance to show what I could do. Um, and, uh, you know, from having a conversation with Larry, uh, this special teams coach, he, 
he told me one day that he walked into Pete uh, Carmichael, who's the receiver coach at the time, Pete Carmichael's office, and uh, he asked Pete Carmichael, what grade did you give Jimmy Smith? How'd, how'd you evaluate him? And Pete Carmichael said, well, I gave him an F. He said, what, are you crazy? We got to have this guy. I need him for special teams. You know, this guy played for me in Philly. And Larry told me he left Pete Carmichael's office and walked down to Coughlin's office. And he he said, uh, he told me they told Coughlin, hey, we, we got to have this guy, Jimmy Smith. Uh, you know, he's a good player. He will make this team. And Larry said that Coughlin said, well, if, if he's so good, Larry, why is he sitting at home? Which was a good point. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately, uh, I, I, you know, everybody knows the story about the book that my mom put together, the, the, uh, the notebook with all my press clippings from college, all my accomplishments, uh, being a, uh, you know, All-American and, you know, all-conference player when I was at Jackson State. And apparently that was instrumental in, uh, in, in Coughlin, Coughlin bringing me in. And, you know, he, he didn't know my history. So that, that was key, I think, in, in me uh, getting an opportunity to uh, prove that I could be on this team. He was a special teamer, a backup, a guy filling a roster spot for most of that expansion season. During a seven-game losing streak, he wondered if he'd ever get a chance if he couldn't break through on this bad football team. The chance arrived in mid-December in Denver, near the end of a season everyone involved was just hoping would end. Coach Coughlin was, uh, he was hard to play for. Uh, a lot of veteran guys gave up, and that gave the, the younger guys an opportunity to step in. And, that's t- and to get to that, that Denver game, from what I can remember, uh, late in the season, and I, I just knew that that was my opportunity, you know, to springboard my career, I guess I should say, because I hadn't caught balls my rookie year. I hadn't caught any balls my sophomore year in Dallas. And, uh, you know, here I am, and uh, didn't catch any balls in Philly, so here I am in Jacksonville. So I'm like, this is my last time trying to make a football team. And, uh, you know, here, here's December, and, uh, you know, that was an awesome game. You know, I struggled with – one thing that sticks out, I struggled with asthma all my life and, and being in an altitude. It was a struggle just trying to get through that game. You know, Coughlin knew it. You know, the training staff knew it because every time I went on the field and came off, I had to ask, use my inhaler. Um, but the game uh, – we matched up against Denver for some reason, you know, early in our Jaguar year. It's pretty good. And uh, I think it, I think I can remember it was a tight game. That first touchdown, I think it was a blocked punt um, by Harry Colin, uh, who played defensive back for us, safety, uh, came off the, the, right, the left side, and I came off the, the right side, and he blocked it. It took a couple of bounces, and it was bouncing around in the end zone, and I just happened to, to jump on the ball and, uh, you know, corral the ball before we went out the back of the end zone. That was the first touchdown. Uh, the second touchdown, they called. We had been working on this uh, this reverse pass 
for our kickoff return team. Desmond Howard was our kickoff returner. He was the man. He won the Heisman Trophy in, in, uh, in, in Michigan. So everybody was keying on him in our kickoff return. And I was pretty much the guy who was blocking for Desmond. So uh, we ran a uh, return pass where Desmond caught the ball, ran to the right side of the field, and I ran to the left side of the field. He runs about 10 yards, stop, and, and laterals the ball back to me. And, uh, you know, one thing, and I've never said this, Desmond made an incredible throw about 30 yards across the field, lateral, about, you know, two yards behind him. And uh, I caught the ball. It timed up great. You know, plays like that have to time up great with the with the blocking. It timed up. I got a block from Dave Thomas, and uh, once I got that block from Dave Thomas, I was down the left sideline, and, and that was the second touchdown. The third touchdown, uh, I started playing, getting in rotation more uh, from special teams, but I got in the, started getting in the rotation on offense more. Uh, in the second half of the game, and it was late in the game, and I think we were still down, but we were trying to score. We may have been down 10 points or something like that. But uh, I remember Steve Berline being the uh, being the quarterback, and we had the ball in, in the red zone and uh, trying to score on Denver, and uh, they, they called my number. It was a double slant. Well, they didn't call my number, but they called the play double slant, and, you know, Steve just happened to, to, to come my way with the ball, and uh, I caught the ball, broke a tackle, and uh, in the end zone I went. And that that seemed to be, in my career, in 95, a, a springboard for the following year because I was on a one-year contract, so I needed to have, uh, you know, some good games. You know, and I hadn't had the opportunity in all of '95, other than special teams, to to prove that I could, that I belong, and that I was worthy of coming back the year of '96. So that game really sticks out as uh, the game that springboarded my career. I remember talking to Jimmy in the locker room after that game. He knew he wouldn't make a better case for his future in Jacksonville than that day at Mile High Stadium. Still. The Jaguars weren't sure. They offered former Chicago Bear, Washington Redskin, and Cleveland Brown Keenan McCardell a very healthy deal in the spring and signed the enigmatic Andre Risen in the summer. Smith endured as the Jaguars rose and fell through their second season until one fateful day in November when he walked into the locker room to get dressed for practice and realized everything was different. Coming in on, on that uh, Wednesday, uh... I just remember you know, Andre Risen always got to work late. He was always one of the last players coming in. So, you know, I got there at my usually time, usual time, and I was surprised to see Andre Risen there. And I glanced over and, and saw him uh, sitting in his locker, and he had a couple of players uh, around him. And uh, I'm like, man, what's going on? So I kind of said, what's up, and kind of just went to my locker and – uh I, someone said, you know, they just cut Andre, Andre Rising. Um, I was shocked. I was shocked. So, you know, I went over and just kind of told Andre, I'm sorry, man. You know, I'm glad, you know, and I learned a lot from you. You always be my, <laughs> my guy. Um, and, but for me, for him to get released, they, they gave me a chance to be, the starting 
Well, yeah, one of the starter starting receivers. You know, over the weeks, the first half of the season, I'm like, man, I'm I'm leading in yardage. You know, I'm I'm up there. I got I'm halfway through the season. I'm leading the AFC in yardage, and I'm not even a starting receiver. But I was a starting receiver because I was going in as a, in the starting spot when I went in the game. And uh, you know that Pittsburgh game came where where uh, Andre Risen you know ran a post route when he was supposed to run an out route, and we was in a battle with Pittsburgh, and we needed a win. And uh, that was like when he ran that route, and Mark Brunell threw the interception to Dion Figures. That was like the last straw for Andre Risen because you know he had done a lot that didn't sit well with Coughlin or or really. Uh, help us win. Now, credit to Andre, he brought a lot to the table early on. Leadership, that swagger, that belief that we could go out and beat some teams because we didn't have that prior to him being here. Um, he always talked about, I used to hear him all the time say, hey, I got 365 moves off the line of scrimmage. I used to hear him say all of that. <laughs> And, uh, you know, saying that, that's what you need as a – I didn't know at the time, even though I played in Dallas and played behind Michael Irvin, but you got to have that self-motivation. Whatever it takes, if, if it takes, you know, talking yourself up or whatever it takes, you got to do that in order to perform in this league. And and that's what Andre Risen brought. Um so he he was cut, and, and after the the Pittsburgh game, I think we played Baltimore. Up in Baltimore, again we needed we needed to we couldn't lose another game. I don't think, or we you know, it was no shot of us getting to the playoffs. And uh, I remember Keenan coming to me before the game. He said, "Okay, man, you're a starter now. All right, so we got to work together as a tandem to make this offense go." Because we had a running game. We had two solid backs. We had Natron Means, James Stewart. And we just needed, you know, we we always found ourselves coming back. That's why we had such great numbers because we were always behind. But this was a chance, and I'll never forget Keenan telling me this. He was like, this is a chance for us to, to really uh, show what we can do. And that was great leadership coming from, from Keenan at the time because I, I wouldn't have started. I'd never been a starter before. And he was the he was you know the primary receiver at the time, and uh, he received all the double coverage when I came in the game, if there was any double coverage, and I just had single coverage, and it was easy for me to go out there and, and light it up, and that went on throughout the remainder of the season. I started having bigger and bigger and bigger games because teams hadn't had a lot of film on me. As a starting receiver, they had film on me as a you know coming in as a third receiver. But you know, I and I had a knack for getting off the line, exploding down the sideline, saving real estate on the sideline, not letting the defensive back squeeze me to the sideline. And Mark, being a left hand quarterback, for some reason, we just started connecting. And we you know we. You know, we just started seeing things on the field that we could, we could, we could, uh, we could, we could accomplish and, and be good together. At, you know, there were some routes, the go route, 
the hitches, the out route was almost incredible, almost impossible to stop because he was excellent at throwing the out route and I was excellent at running it. And uh, we kind of got by with those three routes. (laughs) And the rest is history. You know, we went on and we ran off. I don't know how many games we ran, seven seven straight games. We ran off seven straight games and got our shot to go to the playoffs against Buffalo. Well, let me back up a minute. You know, after beating Atlanta to advance us to the playoffs, you know, that gave us new life. And still we 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 didn't think we had a shot, you know, in the back of our minds, but we were going to – being coached by Tom Coughlin, we were going up there and giving it a good, you know, giving giving ourselves a, a chance to win the ball game, and uh, you know, and that's when Natron Means came alive, and that's what we needed—a solid running game because we could throw the ball because we were always behind, but we just needed to be able to run the ball, and Natron Means started lighting it up, and that's all. We were unstoppable as a team. It was just like a a dream come true. It was, you know, going through that, you know, you didn't have any time to sit back and recollect. You know, it was just, uh, man, I'm living a dream. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not stopping, you know. We, you know, you know, it was one game, and then, you know, you can't celebrate the one game because you got to prepare for the next game. And, uh uh, I remember, you know, going up to New England for the AFC Championship game, you know. Man, we were one game away from the Super Bowl, and we were playing the, the great New England. They weren't great then, but, you know, we were playing, playing New England Patriots, and, uh, you know, we gave it a good shot. Uh, we had that one turnover, and uh, going down the score, and, and that, that, that was the, the end of our run in 96. More perspectives following this from ViStar Credit Union. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, Join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Smith, McCardell, and quarterback Mark Brunel emerged as a powerful offense during the Jaguars' run to the AFC Championship that season. Over the next six seasons, which would include the playoffs in 97, 98, and 99, no quarterback or wide receiver tandem in the NFL would put up the numbers that the trio did. They powered a team that burst onto the scene and was one of the best units in the league for the next three seasons. Listen to any of the three men today and their appreciation for one another and what they were able to do is to hear how short that time period actually was. There is remorse for what they left on the table when the salary cap caught up with the Jaguars after 2001. We put in a lot of work for it to end like that. You know, We put in a championship season a lot of people say oh they had a week schedule there's no such things as week schedules when it comes down to it in the NFL week on paper but when you go out there every Sunday you can be beat by anyone and we went 14 and 2 
and uh, we lost to the Titans three times that year. You know, twice in the regular season and, and that last dreadful AFC Championship game. And um, that was a remarkable year because that was that year. That that was the best football team that that I played on. And I'm talking when I think about the Cowboy teams that I played on in the early '90s. You know, I take man for man, and I would take that '99 Jaguar team over that Cowboys team that was winning those Super Bowls any day. They had Emmitt Smith, but we had Fred Taylor. And in my mind, Fred Taylor was a more electric, exciting back than Emmitt Smith in my mind because I played with both of them. Uh, had better receivers, and we had a better quarterback. Our defense was just as good. Um, but we just didn't finish the deal, and that was – going to a Super Bowl and have an opportunity to become Super World Champions, Super Bowl World Champions. Um, but it was a, an exciting year on both sides of the ball. We had players and we had a lot of talent. Our defense was outstanding in 99. Our offense, I think we led in rushing or passing that year. Um, and, and that was our year. And for us to, to lose in the AFC Championship game, uh, considering that – you know, coming out that second half of the game, they had about three or four starters that were out of the lineup. And we just couldn't, again, we just couldn't finish to advance us to the Super Bowl. You get that combination of among us three, me, Keenan, and Mark. You got three guys that we shared similar stories. You know, Keenan was cut five times and, you know, Mark was a backup with Brett Favre, and we were all wanting our our chance to shine in the NFL and make a mark on us, you know, in the NFL. We we didn't know it happened, but we knew that this was our opportunity with all three of three of us starting. And we used to have conversations, you know, you know, we you know, and we and we were all around the same age, and, and we grew together. That's one thing. Um. And I know Keenan's history, you know, he has some struggles, you know, with trying to stick on teams, and I had struggles trying to hang in there on teams. And uh, you just had three guys who, who shared similar, uh, who had same kind of history of struggling, trying to hang, on, hang in there for the NFL, that had their shot to finally make their mark in the NFL. You know, that salary cap really uh, hurt us because – it cost me my running buddy, which is Keenan, you know, because we worked so well together. You know, he ran the intermediate routes and I ran the deep routes, and we were good at it. And losing Coach Coughlin, uh, even though it was tough to play for, when you look back at it, that's what it took for us to be successful like we were, to have a coach like Tom Coughlin. Losing him was devastating. Uh and to tip it off, you know, a year after that, you know, to to lose Mark Brunell, which is, uh, you know, my, you know, we grew we grew together. So it was like starting all over again, and uh, that feeling of a new coach like Jack Del Rio, and I was talking about this last night to uh, 
you know, start over with a new coach. Mostly coaches come in, they want to bring in their own people. And, you know, we were kind of, so to speak, on pins and needles because we didn't know what was going to happen, even though it had been the five Pro Bowls. Uh, we could feel the energy, you know, when, once you talk to someone that you really not wanted there. No matter how great I was, I knew that I was great. I knew that fans loved me. I knew that I would probably be here. But when you feel energy from a person that they really don't want you on the team, they want to bring in their new guys and start fresh, guys can feel that. And when you hear statements in the locker room that there's going to be a lot of turnover or you hear you know, you know, hear the head coach say, it's going to be a lot of turnover, guys. You know, we started looking at each other. You know, God, we're, we're the Coughlin guys. He's trying to get us out of here. And uh, whether he said that to motivate us or what, it, it was just, uh, it wasn't the right kind of energy that we were accustomed to when Coughlin was here. I think we may have had one winning, two winning seasons or, or something like that. And uh, that golden era was, was, you know, you know, we were reaching back for that golden era. Once we, we lost, we lost Coughlin. Most folks will remember Jimmy's off-the-field issues with substance abuse. It's water under the bridge by now. Few, though, will recall the other off-the-field issue that Smith brought with him in 1995. Smith had an emergency appendectomy while with the Dallas Cowboys in 1993, and lingering issues compounded by the grueling physical demands of professional football re-emerged in 2001. Smith returned to football and his remarkable career, but for a time, he lay in Baptist Hospital at the beaches and was closer to losing both his career and his life than anyone knew. You know, I had had this issue before with having, uh, I had to have emergency appendectomy. I had a bowel obstruction. I had to get my appendix taken out, but uh, complications developed during the surgery. And, you know, the surgery didn't go well. And uh, it cost me my, my season, my second season in Dallas, not knowing that I would probably have another episode later on in my career, which uh, which did happen in 2001, I believe. And I was like, oh, man, here we go again. I started developing stomach cramps. You know, it was the off season, I believe. Yeah, it was the off season. Went to the hospital and, uh, you know, it was one thing after another, one thing after another. And, you know, I had a bowel obstruction. They had to cut six inches of my small intestines out and it was just one complication on top of another and I was in the hospital for three months and it wasn't about even though I was saying hey I gotta get back on I gotta get back to the field it got to the point to where it was about me just staying alive you know football was just second well probably even more than that you know it was my health, it was family members worrying about me, teammates worrying about me. And, you know, and it, it was something to see, even though it was uncomfortable at the time, doing, doing my hospital, my three-month hospital stay, it was very special to see Coach Coughlin leave the mini camps that they were having here and drive over and sit by my bedside. That was that was very that was, that was something because he didn't have to do that. 
he could have come one time and visit, you know, but he came every day. I would be looking out of my window with tubes running all out, all through my body. Didn't really know what was going on. Doctors couldn't figure out what was going on, and that made it real scary. And for Coach Coughlin to show up, if not every day, it was every other day. And, uh, man, that, that meant a lot. And a lot of people don't know that he was making that trip to the hospital as often as he, he was. And uh, it, it wasn't about football. It was about, you know, man, I just want you to stay alive because no one knew what was wrong with me. I didn't have a clue. I was medicated all the time and just hanging on a limb, just trying to stay alive. So, you know, that has always been an emotional point in my life because, uh, you, know, you know, having Keenan come, having, you know, Mark come, you know, all these guys coming and visit, you know, it, it, it was real special. More perspectives following this from Vistar Credit Union. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates, saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Smith's time in Jacksonville was marked by some incredible highs and some very painful lows, both on and off the field. Smith wouldn't trade it, though, for a number of reasons and one special man. Yeah, that's my buddy, man. That's my buddy. Actually, we were supposed to have a cigar when I came into town, but I'm like, how are you going to do that? You got a game, dude. <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's always special when... You know, we reach out to one another, whether it's me, you know, reaching out to him or him reaching out to me. You know, I, you know, he, I could be down one day for whatever reason. We all get down from days to days. And I may get a call from him and that'll light up my week, my next two weeks. Man, my boy gave me a call. And that's what friendship is all about, man. You know, we don't talk every day, but we love each other. And every time, you know, we sit, See each other as a special energy. Whether, you know, we were here a couple of weeks ago for the gala. And uh, nothing planned, you know, I was going to see him. Hey, buddy, we'll talk a little bit. And, but we didn't leave each other's side the whole gala, now that I think about it. When he walked in the door, we were just together the entire time. We didn't walk around, we didn't do any of that. But we just stayed in one spot together. So. And my mom always said, you know, you two are like brothers. And uh, I, I guess you could really say that we're, we're, we're like brothers because we, we share uh, struggles in our NFL career that were similar. We had the same agent. We had the same ups and downs. We're trying to stick with a team. So um, that's, that's my best friend. These days, Jimmy splits his time between Mississippi and Dallas and between his business interests and his kids. He doesn't put his feet on the ground in Jacksonville often, but he's never too far from the place where he lived a life that felt to him like a dream, one that came true. It makes me feel greatly appreciated. and Everybody needs to feel appreciated during their lives, but 
you know, like I said, when I'm having a bad day or whatever, I can always think, hey, my name is in the stadium. People in Jacksonville love me. And that's because I've always treated, you know, when I was in Dallas, I used to see certain players not sign an autograph or, you know, because they thought they were too big. I, I said, you know what, I don't want to be that guy. You know, if there's a kid or if there's an old, anybody, I'm going to take time and acknowledge that person. You know, because you never know what that person's going through. You think, I'm having a bad day. That person could be having a bad day. And just the fact that I acknowledge that person may change that or may do something in their lives to make them a better person. And that's what kind of guy I am, you know. And uh, Jacksonville and these fans have, have showed me appreciation for being that type of guy, taking the time out to say hello, throw a kid a glove, or just shake someone's hand. Even today, you know, I, I was in the car with two Jets fans. And they were so appreciative. They, they, they just they said, we pay for the, the cab fare. We're just happy to ride with you. And just a handshake and a picture was all those guys needed. And they were so happy. Just, I, I just looked back at them and they were just bundle bundle of joy. And uh, I like when I get the chance to make someone's day or spread some joy you know I, I, I enjoy doing that for, for a person yeah yeah and I love this town <laughs>